Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Rams. We're back at a familiar location here uh, on the corner of Fairwood Avenue. Danny Rams, it's none other than Triple C Brewing Company. How are you doing this evening and what are you drinking? Home base, baby. Back at Triple C. Probably our most used locale for recording yeah. episodes this year. Although we've really been proud of how we spread it out, it doesn't really get much better than Triple C for us. And uh, eventually they will give us a free beer. It's, we, we never got the, the Golden Boy segment sponsored. We never got any freebies from the bartenders here. But we did get good music and great beer. And it's time to advance the calendar. I'm drinking an Oktoberfest. Not technically October just yet. Oh, but it feels like it tonight. Feels like it. There's a Christmas in the air. It's it's the vibes are right. As uh, you showed that picture earlier, right before we started taping, and uh, yeah, it's, I, it, I I'm drinking an Oktoberfest. We had a request. I remember we had a listener question that that went kind of unanswered a few weeks ago. I'll answer it now. And it was, hey. For the dark times of, that Charlotte FC is facing, can you drink some darker beers? Because we're always drinking blondes and IPAs and, and whatnot here on the show because it was summertime. Right. You know, obviously. Now the count, we weren't ready to drink. You, even if your mood is dark, which thankfully things have perked up for Charlotte FC since that question came in, another reason it went unanswered for so long. But I'll address it now and just say, you can't really drink, I'm not going to drink a porter you know, on August 3rd when it's 100 degrees out. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So, but now we're in late September. And the beer, the beers get darker because the temps get colder. That's what drives the beer making decision. It's all about perspective, Danny Brands. We've been on this front patio in this beautifully manicured grass, and it's been 7:45 Eastern, and and it's still been light outside. Yeah, it's been it was hot outside. It was 85 degrees, and not tonight. And, and tonight it's crisp, it's cool, and it's dark. Yeah, it's dark here on this Charlotte evening, and our beers are getting darker and, as the season rolls and on. And you're drinking an Oktoberfest as well, correct? Damn, damn right I am, and I'm excited to talk about. I know we, because I bought it. Yes, you did, <laughs> and and that was part of the deal. That was part of part of the deal. So cheers to you, Danny Brams, and let's get into this podcast because we have a ton to discuss. Obviously, the match at home, fan appreciation night against Philadelphia Union, playoff implications just absolutely oozing out of the keep for both sides. Philly's trying to win the supporter shield. I don't, right. They don't have it wrapped up yet. Right. Can they wrap it up uh, they on want it. this this weekend? That would be an interesting uh, question. I don't know the answer to that. We'll find out on this show. But Charlotte FC is playing for their playoff lives. We're going to talk about that. We're obviously going to talk about the weather, right? We have to mention that. Ian is coming. It looks like on Saturday it will be a wet, wet day. <laughs> at the keep and it really is like we can handle the rain bring on the rain rain will be fine the light as long as there's no lightning the lightning is what we really have the bugaboo about what what causes delays and things like that I, I know a lot of college football games and even potentially one of the nfl games might be moving due to this storm mostly that's i think due because of cleanup and after effects and things that like security workers are going to need to be doing not necessarily and fears of power outages and things like that the storm should be weaker here by the time it gets inland North Carolina. But uh, all love to everyone in Florida that's getting ready to deal with it. We're just going to probably see a lot of rain. And, I, I, you know, we've wanted a rain game for a while. The, what was the game a couple weeks ago when you were like, oh, NYCFC. Gonna, yeah, you wanted the rain game bad. You want, You said you were going to rip your shirt off and twist it around your head like a helicopter <laughs> if it was raining. Yes, and the, yeah. rain, the, rain didn't, the rain didn't deliver, so the shirt stayed yeah. on. Yeah, Sounds like a good country western song, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. The rain, it just never came. <laughs> and maybe and, and maybe it will. No, it will um, this Saturday at the Keep. So we're going to have to deal with that. 
Um, and of course, we're we're in the midst of it's a Tuesday evening here, an international break. Yeah. The United States men's national team wrapped up their final. Do they even match. Par- really participate in this international break? It's an open question. The statistic that you need to know to answer that question is 180 minutes and zero goals. That's as bad as it gets, U.S. So we're going to talk about that. Karol Swiderski on the score sheet for Poland. Danny Ramps. A beautiful finish, a one-touch finish after a nice one-touch pass. Yeah, a little no-look header assist from uh, the man himself, Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, one of the best, you know, only one of the best players in the world. Could you imagine just being Kyle Swiderski and how your life just must be the craziest fucking thing of all time where you live in Charlotte, North Carolina playing for this MLS club in the United States and then you go back and you're on the pitch with arguably the best striker in the game and he's setting you up for goals right and then you come back to charlotte fc again it's just about perspective and you're like you're like hey danny rios i love you man but uh last week i was playing with uh this guy and he was he was doing some things (laughs) he's pretty good yeah yeah he's pretty good so we're we're, i mean we're, we're we're gonna dive into that topic i think it's i think it's so fun to have someone like swiderski on the world stage and we, we we have to ask the question danny with all this success abroad, his transfer value must be rising. Yeah, it's going up. What are the implications of that? We don't know. But it, his, his value is going up, and this team doesn't mind turning a profit. We already know that through one year. Tremendous friends of the show. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate you answering the call, seeing the bat signal. <laughs> we, we ask for questions, and we're going to answer your questions at For the Crown Baby on Twitter. That's where you can find us. At John Hayes on air, at Danny Rams as well. We've got some good questions tonight, especially one from the footballista, Danny Rams. Can't wait to answer footballista's question. Yeah, I saw uh, in the preview, in the show notes, and I was, I was like, that is a good question. That's one I can't wait to talk about for sure. We'll 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 leave it for then. You know, you mentioned the bat signal going up, and it just reminded me of another thing that we need to talk about here. Is we uh, a segment we've got planned for a little bit later on is just talking about. I got a chance to go see the Charlotte Independence play during this international break since FC was off. Come on, you Jacks. R- rivalry match for the Jacks against NCFC out of Raleigh, and they made a TIFO. It was a big it's a big match for the Independence. So the Mech Reserves they made, got the w. They made a TIFO, and their TIFO was a bat signal. The T- the 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 Mech, the Mech Reserves TIFO for Independence was a bat signal going up with the little Paul Revere type of uh, you know. Uh, revolutionary character, and I want to talk about that match. I've got some things to tell you about that match, about what it means, uh, what it helped me sort of crystallize a few thoughts about football fandom, what it means to be in a supporters group, what it means to live your fandom, and also a little bit about the uh, the motif, the contrast between how Charlotte FC sort of embraces the royal, the queen city side of, of Charlotte's character, whereas the independents kind of are the you know the colonists, the, the revolutionaries, and the the ones who are fighting that royal royal uh, aspect. So there's a, that's sort of that natural conflict just in the motifs of the team, even though they do work together and share players. But can't wait to talk about that as well. I appreciate that they work together, Danny Brams. But <clears throat> on one hand, I really do wish they didn't, so that we could get a QC derby and it'd be nasty and fierce and I, bragging rights be on the line. You've been asking for that since the start of the season. You want to see the QC derby? Uh, probably yeah. have to be have to hope it in the Open Cup, right? Would have to get would be the yes. most natural way for that to occur. But uh, they should play in preseason. To be honest, at this point, that would be a must see match. 
the people of Charlotte, the, the tremendous friends of the show, they would they would love that. But before we get into that, and, and by the way, I saw you waving that flag as well. <laughs> yes, and, and the support. I got section. to fill in on flag waving duty thanks to uh, my boy Mike Umberger. That, that was really nice of him to pass the flag to me so he could uh, bang the drum. It was it was a wild night. Saturday, biggest match of the year at the Keep, Philadelphia. A late afternoon, early evening kick, and it's against the best team in MLS. Mm-hmm. Carlos Federski is coming back from a hot international break. He'll be starting up top, looking for goals here to carry his club's momentum along with his country's momentum. I feel better today than I about this game than I did last week when we did the episode. Yeah, uh, I hope he's back. You know, the Poland, the international break is over. I, just with all the shenanigans that are going on, this is kind of a shorty break. This is not a full break. So Poland is done playing. In, in theory, he's flying back across the Atlantic as we record this. Who knows? So he should be there. But I, I, I'm not taking anything for granted until we get some availability if, reports. If Swiderski is not available on Saturday, we got big problems, Danny Gramps. We got big, big yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that, that you might as well just end the playoff dream right there. But I think he will be there. And I, I, you're right. We can speak confidently that he will be there. It would be a... Something would have had to gone wrong for him to not play, for sure, at this point. So, yeah, and what did he pick up by playing with Lewandowski? Is he going to come back and be like, is going to be like, you know, like the you're, think of like your friend group at home when you're a kid coming up and you, know, you and your middle school buddies are hanging out and like one kid gets to go to like some special summer camp and then comes back and is like... He's got swag. Are they, they got all the swag? Is it like, oh yeah, you know... Yeah, I was hanging out with these girls at the lake. You know, they're pretty cool. They go to a different school, but, you know, they really thought I was the shit. You know, like, is it that kind of vibe? Is it like, he's like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, hey, uh, Nuno Santos. Hey, Bram Bronico. Like, did you know, uh, have you ever seen Zielinski play? Have you ever seen Lewandowski, like, the way he moves without the ball? Like, if he's, like, telling those kind of stories in the locker room, that's not good. Uh, But if he is sort of... The other way, the way we hope he comes back, is sort of the renewed vigor, the the staying in fitness, staying in form, scoring a goal, getting a, a finish, knowing that it's all part of a journey that he's on and he's not really at the end yet. He's still making the steps to try to have our destination be the playoffs, if possible. Right, and, and the starting 11 for Poland in the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Which, which, exactly. Which, His process continues even that far. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you have to play well in, in your club competition for the manager and, to say you're in. And if you wear the captain's armband, you'd hope that it's the latter uh, mindset that he comes back with, not the former uh, swag monster. <laughs> monster, I meant to say, yeah. No, I, I think <laughs> the juxtaposition between him and the rest of the squad, who, by the way, really didn't go off to international duty. Not many yeah. players. Yeah. And Yordi went to Peru, I believe. That was the only other one, I'm pretty sure. Everybody's here together, you know, maybe taking a break. I think it would, be, would have been smart for uh, interim manager Christian Latanzio to give them a break. But most everyone has been training together, preparing for this Philadelphia Union match. And Carol Swiderski is going to come in and have to be injected into that. So there has been an opportunity for his supporting cast to work together and plan how they're going to give him service yeah. in this Philadelphia game. Exactly. Which is exciting to think about. Um, and when you have a striker, that's the type of player you can inject into a lineup where the talent you have mm-hmm. to finish, everybody else around you is working towards that common goal, which is feeding balls into the box, letting you get on the end of loose balls. The game winner. 
in the comeback against Chicago. Of course. Right? The footwork. It's just the ball The being, persistence. It's the resilience. Be, it's being in the box, mm-hmm. getting the ball at his foot. And I think that he is in position to score for Charlotte FC on Saturday. The Union, in my opinion, are going to have to score two goals to win. Okay. I like that. That's, just, that's an easy, strong take. The thing about the Union is they've routinely scored five goals, six goals in matches this year. So two shouldn't be that much of a problem for them. That, uh, they've won multiple games 6-0. I can say that off the top of my head without even looking at their uh, uh, season history. They've had a few games where they had five. The Union are that rare team right now that scores a lot of goals and barely gives up any. I think they're looking to set a new MLS record for clean sheets. So that ain't good uh, for us, for a team that has struggled to score goals at times. They have a really set... One thing the Union do is they have a very set 11. They play the pending injuries or, or other unavailabilities. They play the same 11 every match. Their coach, Jim Curtin, Easily, in my mind, the best coach in MLS, not even close. And they have been they're sort of at the peak of a project that has been building for four or five years. Like, this is not just like Philadelphia is suddenly good out of nowhere. This is They won the Supporters' Shield a couple years ago. They've gone made some deep playoff runs but haven't got over the top. And this is kind of like, if you're looking at it from the Philly perspective, it's like we're just eliminating obstacles on the way to our first ever MLS Cup championship. And right. ready to, like... So for for they're not really thinking about Charlotte. They're not like, oh, we need to make sure Charlotte doesn't get in the place. They don't care about us. They're chasing the supporters' shield. Like I you would said. imagine that they're not thrilled about having to fly down here and play in the shit on Saturday. That I will agree with. Yeah, because sure. most times when you get on a plane and you're, you're you're flying somewhere to go play in a match, especially from the north to south in the winter, you think you're getting into better weather, right? Exactly. Yeah. And with the hurricane, you're projecting so far in advance you know that it's going to be nasty yeah. so they're getting on that plane knowing and they have the right have to have the right mindset to deal with the shit right. that they're going to get on Saturday when they step onto that pitch it's not going to be a friendly environment in any way maybe they're flying in a day early just pure speculation but who knows they they're, they're making they're having to make adjustments for things in the game that is true that's a great point so uh, I, I feel better today Danny Brams than I did could, could, could Charlotte FC win this match against Philadelphia on Saturday they can win They've looked human at times. It's not like they're a, a mega super team, they, but they are, in my mind, the best the best team in MLS. I know they're tied on points with LAFC right now for that Supporter Shield race, and they both have three games left, I, I believe. Okay, so, that, right. so, so th- thank you for filling that, yeah. that in. And, and quite frankly, I, I, I haven't even kept up with the fact that LAFC has now, is now pushing Philly. Yeah. Well, LAFC kind of pulled ahead of them a little bit, then fell back, and then Philly surged. So they've kind of been—it's kind of been like the horse race. One team gets ahead, then the other team gets ahead, and they—they they kind of flip flop at the top all season long. So connect to to connect to the beginning of the segment. This is a massive match for them. Yeah, they can't afford losses. Uh, if, if it's they want our to win biggest the match of the shield. season, yeah, you could argue that it's their biggest match of the season. Right, and they got—they haven't cinched up a number one seed in the East. They still could theoretically be caught by Montreal in points for the number one seed, which gets you a bye in the playoffs, which is nice, and home field throughout. Also, the thing about the Supporters' Shield is it's not just an empty trophy. It's not just, like, bragging rights. You host the MLS Cup championship match if you win it. So that's, like, that if you get there. So as long as you earn a number one seed and and are the Supporters' Shield, if Philly's looking ahead to, like, where they would play LAFC for the title, potentially, they definitely want that match to be in Chester, Pennsylvania, not down in Los Angeles. So... That's their goals, and like I say, I'm not trying to bash our team, but I'm just saying, like, Phillies, there's a chance they could overlook us, I guess is what I'm saying. We might be the classic trap game for them right now, which should only feel you feeling better, like you're saying. I I can only dare to dream. 
It's all uh, about how the guys come together through of this, the, this of time. the day, Danny Brams, that Charlotte FC is going after the double. I can only dare to dream. To dare is to do, right? According to some people you know. The North London Derby <laughs> this Saturday, an early match to get you fired up for a big match on Saturday right. afternoon it's in Queen City. It's a full day of football on Saturday. I can't wait. And our, our days will start early. We got that's uh, that's going to be our bonus segment at the end of this episode, talking a little EPL. There's no doubt about it. It's a big match, and we're going to preview it at the end of this podcast after we get to some of your questions, after we talk about the international break. And, yeah, and, and I, is there anything that you want to touch on before we move on from this game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, because we focused on Carroll. We focused on what's at stake for Philadelphia. We've kind of mentioned, you know, the supporting cast as a, as a collective. I want to know, who do you want to see in the starting 11? Who, who, like, what's, don't give me your predicted 11. Give me your ideal 11 for coming off a two-week break, trying to reincorporate Carroll. We don't know. I'm hoping that Nuno has, like, sort of, like, really gelled with a lot of the teammates and learned some tendencies and, and, and moves that his new teammates do more than he ever has before. I'm hoping Burns are incorporating his way back into the side, but I want to hear what you think as far as a ideal 11 for this Philly match. 4-4-2, Svodersky and Rios up top with Brant Bronico and Derek Jones in the middle with Kerwin Vargas and Camille Uzviak on the wings and a back four of Walks and uh, Melanda and on the wings give me Jalen Lindsay on the right side and give me Adam Armour on the left oh no no, no. <laughs> give me uh, Joseph Mora on the left side yeah I think Mora yeah so that, yeah. that that's what I that, I think like if you want to go out and slop well like, you, just you know just go for the 4-4-2 you I'm almost the exact same picks as you the only change I would make in my ideal is have Jalen play left back because he's more just a defensive he, and yeah, he doesn't yeah, have yeah. to necessarily have to create offense from the left because totally. you've got Camille over there in this lineup uh, and they, I would put rain over Camille also in your 11 but okay. just because just for fantasy sports purposes and because I like him as a better as a player and uh, I would have burn get, get burn I know you don't love burn but he catches the eye and we're trying to we're it's kind of like the no uh, way he can make his full debut in this match. It's, it's kind of like the Mean Girls meme. It's it's like uh, you're telling you always are the one looking at me saying, "Stop trying to make burn happen." And I'm like, <laughs> I gotta make burn happen. I think I think like until we have definitive proof that he's not, we got to keep sh- jamming him in there. I'm ready for full debuts for Nuno. I'm ready for. I, I've I've got Nuno out. I okay. So my my idea eleven really has nothing like it. I said. I said your mine is exactly like yours, except for this. Oh, and except for that, and except for this. Oh, and that yeah, also. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so about I, that. I I want to see maybe the four two three one again. A uh, four two three one two again uh, with the uh, the three mids with Nuno in the center of of uh, two wingers and Swiderski up top. So hear me out. A lot of this, a lot of my lineup, and I think your lineup is more of like a aggressive front foot lineup. Right. And my lineup is more of a defensive lineup. Right. Against a team that scores a ton of goals. So tactically, that's why I'm choosing my side. All right. And I wish that we could play the way that you want to play. <laughs> okay. 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 Like that's that's how I feel about it. And I that's do. Well said. So I'm just, I, I like the idea of Santos being an option off the bench. 
I, I love right. that idea. Like if we right. if, if we if we fight hard and we play great defense and we and we're looking at the chance of getting a result in the 60th minute and you want to and, and we need the three points and it's tied, inject some creativity into the team. It worked before, <laughs> right? Exactly. It worked against Chicago. Nuno New came in and got his debut goal as a sub. In, inject that into the squad. But how many different super subs is one team allowed to have? That's my only question at that point. Like, Rain is a super sub. Yeah. Shinya is a super sub. Nuno's a super sub. But hey, I they all it, are. It shows depth, which 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 I appreciate. And the the most important thing about the four four two and that tactical equation, Danny Brams, is that like. The reason why Swiderski and Rios are up top is because they're playing pinball. Yeah, it's that's worked it, before you as know, well. It's like launch it in there towards Danny and let them and let Danny touch one to Carroll. Let him bring it down, hold up the play, find Carroll on a run, and it can work the other way if possible. And sometimes you can have Vargas using his speed down the flank as well. You're the you go for it. You at least give us the width that we want to create space in that final third, especially down the left side. I'd probably I'd probably put Gaines in instead. <laughs> hey, what's going on? You know, what can I say? But regardless of what side interim manager Christian Latanzio decides to send out there, it doesn't really matter because it's the mission is is clear. The mission is concede no goals and go steal one. And that like you said, Philly's going to have to score two to win, you think? Yeah. I think they only – I think they will need to score two to win. I think we can get a goal off them. I think a 1-1 draw is possible. But for us to win, we need the clean sheet, I really think. I don't think we're going to score two on these guys. They got the best keeper in MLS. They got a veteran, awesome center back duo that knows what they're doing. They're well coached, well schooled. They've got a destroyer in the middle. They've got a guy, Jose Martinez – Nicknamed El Brujo, the ma- the wizard. Uh, he is Derek Jones could learn a few things from him. So they're going to be. By the way, this go, is a, uh, a revenge, revenge game for Derek Jones. Came up in the Philadelphia. Deep revenge. Yeah, came <laughs> deep, up in the academy. Yeah, deep revenge. If you count him going from Philly Academy like to Nashville to Houston and then to Charlotte. But the academy, yeah. you know, he's, sure, he, yeah, you know, exactly. it's like where, where yeah. you got brought up, where, yeah. where you started your career. Great call. He looks at Philadelphia Union. He says, "Wow." Look where I am now. I'm going to play right. well against the where. first people, the first of many who didn't believe in me. <laughs> now I'm here in Charlotte. Maybe he'll end up being the player of the match. It's, a hot, it's a hot take, and I'm and I'm willing to say that the reason why he's he's a a, a starter in my eleven is because I, I just love everything that he brings to the pitch, especially from a phys- physical point of view. And against Philadelphia, he has a lot of big dudes, bro. Yeah, <laughs> so that's many. damn true. Yeah, so so having Derek out there, I think, would be a huge lift for the squad, and maybe Brant can, you know, play off of Derek. And you have two separate things. You, you have two things happening at the same time. You have Swiderski playing off of Rios and Brant playing off of Derek, and that'll you know, and then the creativity happens in the right. middle between yeah. ideally Brant, Carroll, and. And Rios. And when it's not happening enough, you you take one of them out and bring in Nuno Santos. Boom. Boom. Done. This ain't working. So, Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brands. We've got a lot to talk about. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about the, the international break next. We're gonna answer the TIFO's questions next. We're gonna talk about the North London Derby as well and hear about Danny Brams's is his escapade out on the town. Right. Into Elizabeth. USL night, baby. A a North Carolina Derby. Had to be. And we and 
you know, the independents are, are just like Charlotte FC. Independents are trying to push for the playoffs as well. And they took a step in the right direction last weekend. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. Follow me on Twitter, at John Hayes on air. Follow Danny Brams on Twitter, at Danny Brams. And, and follow the show. Do us a favor, follow the show, because we're going to have a lot of content coming your way. And we had a great conversation about our YouTube page as well mm-hmm. before this show kicked up. And you can find us on YouTube, Charlotte Soccer Show. Subscribe to our YouTube page. There's there's not much there now, but we've got uh, we've got big ideas for this offseason in year two. If this was like early 90s web uh, era, there would be like a big like under construction uh, <laughs> graphic if you went to the page <laughs> because we don't have a ton on there, but it has been launched. And if you are a subscriber now, you're going to be one of the first people to know when we do get some stuff, some great content going on there uh, in various formats, short form, long form, it's going to be great. Charlotte Soccer Show, we're back after this. We're back, Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. Danny, tell me about the Mech Reserves. Tell me about this club. You know, it takes me back. When we want to talk about the Charlotte Independence, it takes me back to Hooligans Elizabeth. Yeah. It, it does. And I, I haven't kept it's up. It's in the neighborhood. I haven't kept up with the club. I haven't connect, uh, kept a connection with the club, aside from the playoff game that we went to last year, but you have. Well, just to go back a little bit, we met the president of Charlotte Independence last year when we were really starting to first form sort of our ideas of what we wanted to do with the launch of Charlotte FC and how we wanted to create this show, right? So mm-hmm. we met at Hooligans Elizabeth to watch some soccer and have a few brews. And all of a sudden, just out of this like side door at Hooligans Elizabeth, this little little guy comes out. He looks like uh, uh, John Hammond from Jurassic Park. You know, <laughs> he, he, looked, he looked like Mr. Hammond, but he's a, he's a guy named Tim. And he met us, he talked to us, had a few beers with us, talked to us about the independence, talked to us about Fuchs. Talk to like that was our first realization that Fuchs was more than just a mercenary. He was like here to try to become part of the community, I, and he raved about how great Fuchs was for the independence last year. You know, what you just gave away like how Danny Brams and I were professionals, right? So when we talked to the an executive, the, the in movers tr- and shakers, yeah, like, <laughs> when we when we talked to an executive at the independence, and, and he tells us that Fuchs has been fantastic with the club that he's been great with the players. There's a reason why we called him Team Dad and we're always a, a fan of his, right? Because we're bringing exactly. information to this podcast and we have opinions on the club based on certain people we talk to. And, so I, you know, right. I, I won't say the, the, the cliche is you hate to reveal your, your sources, but on this one, I think Tim would be fine with us saying Oh, he was stuff. totally fine. He he raved about Fuchs. He told, said Bronico was awesome. You know, he he gave it. He said Adam Armour is working so hard. You know, those were the three guys that are on Charlotte FC that played for the Independence last season in USL and made the playoffs. And he invited us to come to that playoff match, and we took him up on that offer. And we, we went. Did. We had a great time at Legion Memorial Stadium. Uh, and like you said, you haven't been back this year. This was my first time back. I've I've been to about three or four Independence games a year in previous years, but obviously. The commitment to Charlotte FC has kind of precluded a lot of that this season. But I was finally able to get back to an Independence game this year, and it was a big one, John. It was a real big one. It's a it's a North Carolina Derby. North Carolina Derby against the hated NCFC out of Raleigh. And 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 we got the result. We got the result. We got a two one win. It was some real nice goals. The first goal was a sick sick goal by Chris Hagart, 
who is oh. a Charlotte FC player, of well, course. Yeah, of course. A sweeping counter move, and uh, they got a really a nice star forward on the Independence named Tresor Mbuyo, known as Trey Score to those who who know and love him. And Trey Score sort of made a really nice dribble, beat two men on a counterattack with a dribble, got the ball into space, did a deep cross over to Chris Hagart. Hagart finished on a tight angle against the keeper, roofed it, just, you know, like just a power shot, unstoppable shot with not much room to get it in there. Very skillful by Chris. He is giving me so much hope for the future of Charlotte FC, knowing that we have guys like that coming up in our ranks of the youth leagues and stuff like that. And, and you know, Brian Romero and a million other guys if you follow the junior mints. But uh, then second goal was a worldie, John. It was a worldie. So corner kick, or excuse me, a set piece, not a corner kick. Set piece from an attacking position. Hagart's on the free kicks. Another good sign for us. Hagart sends one in a really nice ball that finds a head, but it gets blocked. The ball goes kind of up and bounces out. And it's that typical, you as a Tottenham fan would know, it's that Eric Dyer situation where everyone's in the box and the ball kind of scoots out and just kind of squibs out up into the center, back towards the center of the midfield. And who's running up but the center defensive mid, all alone, wide open. He has a clear run shot of the ball. So Omar Cease, the CDM for Independence, puts a beautiful knuckle on it, just just strokes it just right, and it flies past everyone. Keeper's got no chance. Bottom of the crossbar slams into the ground. Wow. Inside the net. Goal. We're up 2-0. Uh, NCFC pulled one back on a dicey penalty that, that was a clear dive, never should have been a pen. And But then Adrian Zendejas couldn't save that PK, but he was money the whole match. He didn't really get tested too much. Another Charlotte FC player as well. Just shows how closely tied the fates of Charlotte Independence and Charlotte FC are. And uh, Zendejas got the win. Hagart got the the goal. Cease had the game-winning goal. It was a great night. And what I did was I got to spend a lot of time with the Mecklenburg Reserves. There's two major independent supporters groups. Charlotte FC has about 17 different supporters groups. <laughs> uh, uh, the independents have two main ones, the Mech Reserves and the Independence Ultras. And both were in full effect. They were having a great night. We pre-gamed. We pre-tailgated. Uh, where did you pre-game and tailgate? You ta- we tailgated the parking lot right by Legion Memorial Stadium down there in Elizabeth at uh, the community college area right next to the parking garage. And there was a street fest going on because it was Latin Heritage Night, so there was like a street fest going on. I saw this really cool thing right before the soccer match. I saw a wrestling exhibition. There was this outdoor Amazing. street festival. Like these, It was like an old guy and a young kid, and they were like doing the whole like – it was amateur wrestling, but they were doing some high-flying moves. The kid was, like, up on the ropes, diving and jumping. It was a really good show. I mean, you know wrestling's fake. You could see them, you know, whiffing the punches and kicks, but still taking the effects. But that was a great warm-up for getting to meet Mike Umberger from the Mecklenburg Reserves, Trey, the president. There was another uh, Mike that I met. I, had, like, I, had, I met Trey. You at, met Trey. At, at Hooligans uh, Elizabeth. One one day, Trey's yes. the man. Yeah, yeah, Trey's the man. Yeah, yeah. great, great leader they, of, of that that support. He kind of just fell into it, and but he uh, described to me their plans for and hopes for growth. You know, they they led a supporters march, and the cool thing was they were in heaven because they, these guys are like the diehard Independence fans, right? And we probably had maybe I would guess like 750 to 800 probably people in the stands on Saturday night for the derby match. I think they're used to more like you know 200 showing up at Leach Memorial. You know, the attendance isn't always the best, but these guys are true fans. And so they were in heaven because the Blue Furia showed up. Charlotte, When, when yeah. don't they show up? <laughs> right. The Blue Furia showed up in force. Chico was there. Sobrero Man was there. Uh, uh, 
Marcelo was there. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so, you know, foreshadowing three of the four members of a uh, controversial moment in Charlotte FC history were at this Independence match having a good time. The chants were going up. It was There was a lot of Charlotte FC chants, but there was also some Independence-specific chants going, so that was cool. And they had a TIFO, like I mentioned earlier. And just like it was just a banner night for the Mech Reserves and the Independence Ultras and the Charlotte Independences. Like I said, they're pushing to the playoffs. They're in playoff position. That three points helped them. NCFC's down at the bottom of the table in USL 1. So life's really good for the Independence. And what I learned from going to this match, I got to wave the flag, like you mentioned earlier. There's a video of me out oh, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, good form. Yeah. Not bad form. Not the my, my, you know, it's 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 not easy to do. And no. I would say that your 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 over under ability to wave that flag is probably 20 minutes. How, how far did you go? I would give being generous probably about 13, 14 minutes. So ah, take the under. Take the under take the for under. sure. Yeah, it's tough yeah, on the arms exactly. to keep those. It going. is tough. It is tough. And I was kind of doing the the wide swath sweeping flag move, which then I saw. Then I gave the flag back to Mike, and he he was doing sort of a quick like a little quick tur- like. He sort of, you pivot the, the, the base of the flagpole kind of in your gut, like right at your waist, and you just kind of quick turn it around. And that was actually, that was the technique I would, would have tried. And I would have tried that technique if he had given me back the flag, but instead he handed it to a pregnant woman and she got stuck with the flag. So I don't know if that was the best move, but she was, uh, she was looking really like ready that she was ready to be not pregnant anymore, but she was there waving the flag just as much as anybody. So that was cool. And we were having a, a grand old time. And what I learned, John, was like yeah. the, the, the purity of the fandom. Right. It really spoke to me. Because we have signed up for this Charlotte FC journey and we're all in. And we, you know, we've invested in it monetarily with season tickets and supporters uh, group fees and things like that. And like, yeah, like we've been, like, look at us. We've been to Independence Games in the past, but we kind of like abandon the independence on one level just to, to go to the new newer bigger more hype thing it's a higher level it's better we, soccer we could do it's better a, players we could do a full episode and we should do a full off-season episode that is called soccer in the queen city how it works what yeah. the relationship is between these two clubs and what the future looks like because there's two schools of thought you work together or you go down your own path and compete against one another and that is not just about the the clubs themselves it's about the supporters of right. both clubs right and and now that gets us into you know you're getting a little preview of that bonus episode right now but that gets us into some things that happened in the charlotte fc fan base and you know it's the international break we got fan appreciation coming up there's not a lot of focus on the play on the team so the team decided they'd do something nice right oh hey let's put up a little fan vote on twitter they have a poll function there it's easy to count the votes, you you think that they could you think that they could put something nice out there with best intentions and good faith, and that all the Charlotte FC fans would would accept it and accept it in the spirits of given and participate faithfully and gracefully. But what happened instead? A disgraceful vote buying scam. <laughs> yeah. So so just to uh, explain, I, I, if you don't know, I, I, it was a I, vote. To, it was a vote to determine me. who would get. Uh, coronated at the at the Philly match, so right. this was a chance for a fan of the club, a, a prominent fan. There was four options. I used the best words that I could, and I'm happy to dive deeper into that. I called it a vote buying scam, and I think the most important thing for me to admit during this conversation, David Rams, is that I didn't know that you could buy Twitter votes. I didn't know that either. 
And I knew there's Twitter bots, but I didn't know you could just buy a thousand Twitter votes. And we learned through this poll with the four nominees, Marcella, one of the capos at the match. I believe she's a member of Blue Furia. Yeah, and she is. the Sobrero man, who is both at, both at the, the Panthers and Charlotte FC matches. At FKN Toro on Twitter. Great guy. And we've got... Chico, El Muerte, the man himself. He's been to every game. He's found a way to get to every single Charlotte match home and away this year. That's admirable. And Matt Swift of the Men's City Collective. Communications director. Uh, host of the Men's City Soccer Show. Right. He, he was a nominee as well. And Always I, a fixture at the tailgates. To be nominated for this is like, I nominated you, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Tongue-in-cheek. It, it's a real honor. Yeah. Um, but it turned into an honor that was disgraced by some people who turned what should be a nice night at the keep to honor one of our supporters into a popularity contest. Yeah. Like a compromised popularity contest. An elementary school who's the most popular kid and and now at an adult level when you can buy votes for your elementary school president. I mean, nomination. Yeah, like and you're gonna have some some childish and some immature people that do it. Childish behavior. You took the word right out of my mouth. That's where I was going because it's just like, yeah, you want your candidate to win. And Blue Furia put out an email blast that said, "Hey, everybody, vote for Marcella, please. You know, she deserves it." They had a. They didn't. Ju- it wasn't just a blind request. Like they had a resume of why they felt she deserved and everything. And I'll, full disclosure, because we're always transparent with the listeners, I voted for Marcella. In our last episode that we did, I said I. I'm not going to stump for anyone, but I think it's an easy choice. I chose Marcella because I just love her work as a capo. We had a moment, her and I, last match. I bet. She works on the TIFOs. She leads the chance. I thought she was the best choice, as much as I respect Chico, who I think would have been in a in a uncompromised, honest situation. Chico was running away with the votes. He was he was leading everybody. And that's, by, who, that's had, who I voted for. Right. For and he, he was a worthy winner. I think everybody knew that it was pretty much Chico's to lose from the beginning. But what happened was, and this is, I want to tip our hat to a little bit of detective work. We don't need to spend too much more time on this, but Elevation Jones, our boy Franco, the the only Blue Hornet we've got left here in Charlotte, (laughs) did some detective work, and he was sending me some messages. He says, from what I can surmise, when the poll idea was put out there, it ticked some people off since everyone knew it was Chico's to lose. But having a vote was a great idea. But then the word got out, and they did a great job, but they just couldn't keep up trying to push the Marcella, the email blast I mentioned earlier. Then 5,000 votes dropped in one minute for Marcella. (laughs) So you can see it was clear, and people have screenshots. Chaos ensued. And it's great detective work, and it's a great way to get down to the bottom of what happened because what happened was Marcella surged to the lead but on bot votes. So then someone like re-upped and bought votes for Chico. And so he got back in the lead because people bought more votes for him. And then I, uh, one of the South Bend and Crown guys tweeted that he bought a 1,000 votes for turned, Matt Swift. It turned you know, into just like, a uh, pissing contest very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was supposed to be a, a nice gesture by the club turned into all of us supporters yeah. acting like we can't be trusted, which... 
I know there's been issues in different supporters groups and the clubs. Right. The, the relationship isn't great, right? right? Let's not pretend that the club absolutely loves the way the supporters act. And you know what? I'm glad. Because things can get a little rowdy. Things can get a, get a, a, get a little weird in the supporter section. But you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't buy a fucking vote <laughs> right. on a Twitter poll. Right. Who is wasting their time out there <laughs> buying votes? Even though it's cheap, it's like a, you know, a thousand votes you for know, a you two dollars or something money like that. On, come on, you should spend your money on Charlotte FC gear. Thank you. And hand it out to Thank every you. person that's exactly. walking around the Queen City. Exactly. Or come buy us a beer. <laughs> Goddamn! If you got this money to throw around, fuck. <laughs> the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're here at Triple C Brewing Company. It's it's a beautiful night here. As it feels like the calm before the storm. You know, I, I, I have no problem saying it that way, Danny Brands, because you know we talked about the <laughs> because match there's on a Saturday, literal storm and there is a storm the coming up the pan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, just keeping it real with, with the listeners. Um, it's it's kind of windy right now. Is this is this the early uh, signs of the, something blowing in? The outer bands yeah. uh, have have reached the Carolinas. No, they haven't. But uh, our thoughts and prayers are with with everybody in the path of of Hurricane Ian. And my prayers are also in uh, are with the people who are in the path of Hurricane Geslin. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> because Matt Geslin, uh, one of our tremendous co-hosts of the show, he tweets in. He says, "If anyone thinks Greg Burhalter is the man for the job, you're a fool." <laughs> This team is going to finish fourth in the group at the World Cup. It it was an international break. It's always good to hear from Matt Geslin. We're going to have him on the podcast soon. We've got big ideas. We talked about our YouTube page. You're going to hear a lot from Matt Geslin in the future about the Premier League. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. He's got hot takes, and he does not mind dishing them out. He tried to set set Twitter on fire with this us finish fourth in the group uh, take, but if you saw the results, the Karol Swiderski international break was like the – the sunshine and the U.S. men's national team international break was the rain cloud for sure. So we're going to spend some time quickly on the United States men's national team. We have to as the game finished earlier this afternoon. 180 minutes, no goals. Gio Reyna, who has been dealing with injury issues for years, subs off because of a tight muscle. It's precautionary, but is that a red flag? Sure. I'm, I'm very worried. Christian Pulisic, no Shots on goal. One shot on one goal. Shot, none on one goal. shot, none on goal. One shot, one shot off target. It was one shot blocked. It was all he had registered against Saudis. That concerns me as well. Who's playing striker for this squad? I don't fucking know. Who's the best keeper for this squad? Who the hell knows? At center back. Are those positions important? Striker and goalkeeper? <laughs> We're in trouble, Danny Brams. Is it panic time for the United States men's national I, I'm team? I'm panicking for sure because... To me, it's it's uh, advanced to the knockout rounds or yeah. bust in Qatar, the World Cup coming up. Like, if we don't advance and, to the knockout rounds, it's a huge failure. And in I'm my pissed mind, off so, about it. Yeah. And the reason why is because there's people that are close to the United States men's national team that are acting like, well, you know, if your expectations were this, then you shouldn't panic. Well, I've got to say that's right. absolute bullshit. My the expectations, expectations are the quarterfinals. The expectations <laughs> for this golden generation yeah. of young United States soccer players, Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, Tyler Adams, Tyler Adams, Serginho Dest, Brandon Aronson. Yeah. You, you, you're supposed to have a squad here that can not only get out of your group, but win a knockout round match and then maybe give somebody a game. So what is the fucking problem 
with this right. squad. I'm sorry. I said I was pissed off, and now I'm going to calm down. We have more of our American talent playing at big clubs in Europe and around the world than we ever have had before in the history of the U.S. men's national team. Our American talent is being recognized, and it's being utilized, and it's actually being uh, utilized to great effect when you look at what some of these guys are doing in their club, Pulisic aside, because Chelsea's messing him up. But look at what Brendan Aronson's doing. Look how important what McKinney is to his club. Look how important Gio Reyna is to his club, even if he can ever be healthy. So, like, And Tyler Adams, same thing at uh, Red Bull. So like, these guys are like vital american talent is not considered a joke anymore on the world stage but when it's assembled i'm trying to breathe all of a sudden it is not delivering the results and it makes you think i can only look at one person for the faults of the u.s men's national team right now miguel and hal ramirez (laughs) (laughs) estamos jodido bro estamos jodido no doubt But I know who you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. It's the coach. It's the coach. It's Greg Borhalter. He's got to go. Like, Greg with two Gs, I don't know what your deal is, but, like, uh, you're not doing. You're not pulling the right strings. You, I've never felt good about Burhalter being the coach. There's the whole – when he got the job and his brother also worked at the U.S. Soccer Foundation, uh, Federation, excuse me, and there's all that sort of potential nepotism involved with him even getting the gig. Here's my I – a, I have a little bit uh, – you tell me if this is a hot take. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I just – my, like I said, my expectation is get out of group, win a match, go to the quarterfinals. But after this most recent sort of tune-up round of international break, I'm really revising that, and I'm thinking we're probably going to get busted out. So I, I know Burhalter's not going to be the coach anymore after this World Cup. He's out, unless we somehow go on an insane miracle run. What I want, because I think his time is wearing thin I know you're going at Liverpool, this. I want Jurgen Klopp to come be the coach of the U.S. men's national team. It would be a bold move, and... I think he's tired of club football. I think he wants a different challenge. He's won the PL. Was, he's won the was, Bundesliga. Here's a question for you. Was Klopp at Dortmund when Pulisic was there? Yes. Briefly. There's yeah. a connection. Yeah. I'd like to see it happen. I just think, when I look at like the top managers around the world, uh, you know, Pep I don't think is going anywhere. Arteta, I don't think, is going anywhere. Klopp is the one to me who feels like maybe is just... It, it, I see him in Liverpool kind of growing apart after winning the league a few years ago, but now kind of struggling to keep the pace and realizing how hard it is to keep up with uh, Emirates oil money that flows into Man City and all the, a few other clubs in the PL. Yeah, he's got, he's got a deal with the Glazers. Yeah, I think he's just kind of like, you know what... Was the Glazers man? No, the Henrys. The Henrys. Yeah, Henry's. the Glazers man United. Yeah, John Henry. John, John Henry. Henry. Who, another. Who, yes. Another. Another. John Henry. I'd put slightly above, slightly better than David Tepper in terms of owning your soccer club. Like, he he cares a little bit more about the results than Tepper does, but not much. He more cares about the P and L sheet. So, I just call me crazy, but my forecast sees Klopp leaving Liverpool in the next year or so, and I just think it'd be the right time for him to come to U.S. Men's National Team. Why not? This isn't the first time I've heard you say that, and won't be the last. It's, it's, it sounds better every time you say it because it would be a dream appointment yeah. for the United States men's national team, and uh, a dream scenario for the United States men's national team at this point is against Wales. Let's at least get a goal. Yeah, I mean we didn't. Do, we have we've gone 180 minutes, and I don't even know if it goes further back than that. I'd have to look it up real quick, but. We did score in our previous friendly against El Salvador, so two matches without a goal. We got Wales coming up 
on November 21st, one week before my birthday, if you're planning any gifts out there, Tivos. And one week before the match against England. You know, it's like five days before yeah. uh, the match against England. So things have gotten real for the United States men's national team very quickly. That's how I would describe this situation. Yeah. Is that you can fuck around in qualifying, you can make it to the World Cup, you can feel good about your squad, and then you can put your boots on and walk onto the pitch in a World Cup match. Yeah. And yeah. that's the next thing that's going to happen to this squad. And from where I sit today, they're not ready for that. No. They, they call this last international window a tune-up, right? Playing a couple of friendly games. In, in, in this uh, analogy, we took the car in for a tune-up. The mechanic brought out a baseball bat, smashed the bumper, and told us to get the fuck out of his shop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's basically what happened. Figure it out so, yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. England is... Interestingly, interestingly, like almost in the same exact spot. The only difference is, and and this statistic I'm going to share with you is somewhat unfathomable, and it's that England will go into the World Cup without winning a match for over eight months. That's mind-boggling. That blows my mind. Just draws and and losses. Yep. Yeah, I mean they have a similar. But, they're similar to us in terms of a, a really but, good generation of players. But they scored three goals against Germany, right? In their final game, tuning up for the cup, and there were some positives to take out of it. Yeah, but didn't they get relegated in the Nations League? Also, I think they did. I mean, not that anyone cares about Nations League. Someday someone may care. This year they don't care. No. Yeah. They, yeah. So, who, Nations League relegation is they're glorified friendlies. Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. It was just. The same thing the United States was doing against Japan right. and against Saudi Arabia. But, just but there's a table. A table <laughs> yeah, yeah, means exactly. absolutely nothing. Yeah. It might as well be as um, important as the International Champions Cup or whatever the fuck that was <laughs> that Tottenham won. So if you say that Spurs hasn't won a trophy in a while, you're wrong. Yeah. They won the International Champions Cup. ICC, Champion baby. Cup. <laughs> it counts. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Now it's time to talk to you, the tremendous friends of the show. The uh, Queen's Guard. You can you can always send us questions at For the Crown Baby. And I've got to say, sometimes in one of my some of my favorite shows are is when we just lead with TFO's questions because there's people that listen to the show that are almost more knowledgeable than, than you and Oh, I. 100%. Yeah. We, so. we have the best listeners of any podcast in the Charlotte FC universe, easily. We're going to get to your questions. We're going to do that next. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. Follow me at John Hayes on Air. Follow Danny Brands as well. And we're back after this. Charlotte Soccer Show. We're back. Triple C Brewing Company. It's good to be here. We reloaded. Danny Rams, did you get a Golden Boy as well? No, I got a uh, one of our other favorites, a River Tube. Oh, River tube. I, I gotta, yes. I got to float my way into this uh, Queens Guard questions segment that we're about to do here. And just a quick shout-out to Triple C. It's never let us down on the musical vibes. 
90s alternative rock. We're hearing a lot of, if you've been listening, you've heard a lot of Candlebox, you've heard some Metallica, you've heard Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Bush. They're, Sublime. They're killing the 90s right now. It's beautiful. If you ever get Danny Brams to tell you his Sublime story, it's... <laughs> I'll tell it. I've told you multiple times. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an all-time story. And, and that's something that we, we love on the show, and it's music. And as we build out this, this podcast and as we get our friend Matt Geslin involved and we talk more about music, it's something that I think that we can do more regularly on the show. And we will do more regularly on the show. But for now... We're going to get to our tremendous friends of the show. Your questions, you can always tweet us at For the Crown Baby. DB's hot take. Let, let's let's start there. It's, it's, it. it's the first question in. He's probably pissed I fired Klopp as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Will Philly rest their guys? Will Carroll play? Yeah, I think... There's just ch- there's an outside chance just with the travel that maybe Carroll doesn't show up. We t- touched on that earlier, oh my but I think it's going to happen. I expect it. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And then Philly resting their guys. I don't think so. That it's they got way too much at stake with trying to win that supporter shield. They will they will be trying to win for sure, but they might overlook us. Spurts guy, I, I I'm clearly frustrated by that question and the answer, but I'm moving on. Spurts guy. He tweets and he says, what's your drink of choice for riding out a storm? Well, you could go with the sort of the cheesy. You could drink Hurricanes. You know, I, I'm never against a rum drink, obviously. But I don't have really a, a daiquiri maker I, you, in my when, house. When so. you said Hurricanes, you know what I thought about? Not the not the, not the cocktail. The 40s. <laughs> the Hurricane 40s that I used to get in high school. Wow. That's a Philly thing for sure, yeah. but I would recommend 40s would do it. 40s would definitely do it because 40s kind of sets the the post storm vibe. You know, <laughs> obviously we're not trying to joke about people's hardships, but you know how it gets after a big storm moves through. There's lots of houses in disarray, and a 40 fits that fits that vibe. My true drink of choice for riding out a storm, though, I got to go with whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, baby, all day. It's it's a good question, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna like just go back in the day and just show Danny. Oh wow! Screenshot. This should be on the YouTube channel. I love it. That's a real thing. I love it. I've never seen that before in my life. Yep, it must be a Philly thing. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Hurricane Forties. Did you have Mickey's Forties? Oh yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, Yeah. that's what that's what we drank. Yeah, back in in Ogden, Utah, it was low point beer, artificially lowered to three point two percent alcohol, no matter what you got. Bad times, man. Bad, bad times. Just think about it this way. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, Will Smith sings about the Belmont Plateau yeah. in that song. And that's where we used to all go together. And we used to bring the Hurricane 40s and get fucked up. What so, a night. What so a, what cheers a to that. Yeah. yeah. Cheers and, to that. And look where that got you. You're sitting here next to me <laughs> talking about Charlotte FC. Jonathan Pata, Pata Bread, he tweets in. He says, will the international window affect our lineup? And he's also heard, uh, he says, heard y'all say you hate multiple questions, but shoot, how will the hurricane affect our game slash atmosphere? And, you know, I I just wanted to address this because I think it's popped up on the show quite a bit lately. Um, You know, I I have, like, jokingly said, you know, we don't do two-part questions. And, you know, well, it was like a, a Phil Mickelson bit. In regards to his move to live golf, um, so I just want to let you all know. It's just that, a like, bit. Yeah, yeah, but but like seriously though, like don't fucking ask two part questions. 
Will international window affect our lineup? That's his first question. We'll we answer we that. pretty much answered that. I say no. Care would be the only real effect there. Like I said, Reina did go report for Peru, but I don't think he's going to affect our lineup in any way. So, no. Answer is no. I love getting a question from one of our female Wait. tremendous friends Wait. of the show. Can I answer the second part of no, the question? That's the, no. That's the <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. Bridget McCall. She says... Do you think that Charlotte FC will make a will make significant changes in the team during the off season? This is a great question, Bridget. Thanks the most for writing in. Question. Um, you can find her at NC Tiger Girl on Twitter, or just add a few more instrumental players. Which which one is it? I think it's more likely to be a few instrumental players. I don't. It's really tough to like bring big moves in in, in the. Uh, winter window it just it doesn't happen often in MLS bigger moves a lot are much more likely to happen in the summer that's where a lot of big moves you've already seen if this is your first season in MLS you've seen a lot of big imports to the league this summer and I can tell you that it's, it's it happens every year the big winter import is a lot rarer Charlotte FC has shown a, a, a tendency to go against the grain and bring uh, be do things differently than typical MLS style so who knows but I'm going to lean towards instrumental players, no huge signing in the winter window. Considering Nuno Santos is already in. Right. Considering Milanda is already in. And Nathan Byrne has his opportunity as well. And we like, got the new signing, Adam Armour. Happy birthday, by the way, AA, recording this on your birthday. What is he, 19? Like 20? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Cheers, cheers to that, Adam Armour. Happy birthday. Of course. Adam Armour. Cheers. First goal scorer in Charlotte FC history, and we'll mention that every time we mention his name. You have no doubt about that. Final question from the footballista. Did we miss a question? Or no, is this it? I think we're good. I think that's it. You asked me to hold this to the end. Gesslin gave a question, but we can skip him. Let's just put it that way. It's it's not about Charlotte FC, so we'll skip that. The footballista, you know she's listening this late in the podcast. And that's why we love her as a listener. Which would you choose, Danny Brams? Winning the Open Cup next year or making it into the playoffs this year? Hashtag for the crown. Love the hashtag. It's. I was so excited to answer this question because I felt it coming. And it's, it really kind of gives you that either or that we love in a question because you have to make a choice, right? You have to decide. I'm going to say, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote a couple things. A, I'm going to quote the song that we're listening to right now here in the background. Champagne Supernova, baby. Someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide in the champagne supernova in the sky. And how am I going to get there? It's because I'm going to, of another quote from a great man who Charlotte FC would not be here without a man named Miguel Angel Ramirez who said, always the cup. And of course the answer is, if I knew I was going to win U.S. Open Cup next year, I would piss away the playoffs yet last week. I don't care. We could have lost five in a row. Who cares? The Open Cup is everything. We want to win MLS Cup, obviously, but if we're ever going to get a chance to play Barcelona and have that champagne supernova in the sky, we got to win the Open Cup first. So 
that's what I'm all about, baby. My goodness, it's it. I was so scared that you would say the other answer. Oh, really? I, I, no, no. I just, I just like it was the goal from year one. I yeah. think it's a great question. Yeah, and that, I, that's I, the, I, the greatness of that question. And, exactly. I, and I was, I wasn't sure that you were gonna be on the trophy side. Right, right, but trophies are trophies. Get, yeah. get the trophy. Exactly. Get the the playoffs is a lottery ticket, especially in MLS. But a cup is a cup, and we play for it. And I, I'm already looking forward to next year, our first Open Cup match. I don't care where it is. I'll be there. The cup just has that special – it's the cup. It's always the cup. What can I say? <laughs> Danny Rams and I, we both went to the President's Cup this past yeah. weekend at Quail Hollow here in town. And USA, I, USA. the reason why, and I shouldn't have gotten the, I should have gotten the picture, because there was signage all over the golf course that said "For the Cup." Beautiful. And all that I could think about was Charlotte FC the entire time. I was yeah. There. I was like, like I get the President's Cup right. is a thing, but like when I when you talk about a cup, right. like I want the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup existed before Major League Soccer existed. Let's just put it that yes. way. So I want to win the oldest trophy that's yes. available here in the and United States. And way before the President's Cup. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Footballista, one of our fans, uh, one of our favorites, and uh, a strong, strong officer in the Queens Guard and the TIFOs all the way, and great question to end on. So to finish off this show, we're going to do one more thing. And it's really important, Danny Brams. Right, because this is we've been united so long this year. You and I have had common cause and, and sought the same goals, but all of a sudden we find ourselves in opposition this weekend. You can go back to our episode at Craft, where we talked about Tottenham and we talked about Arsenal mm-hmm. being the class of the Premier League this year. That was on the eve of the season. We said these are the two teams that are going to set the tone, and it's bared out. Knowing that both Liverpool and Manchester City were likely to be in the top four race, that Arsenal and Tottenham would be the next two in line. Yep. And here we are today, ahead of a Saturday morning, North London Derby at the Arsenal Emirates Stadium. Tottenham. Arsenal versus Tottenham. And it's the appetizer for your match day on Saturday. Right. So the question is, how does this play out? It's fascinating to me, and, and quite frankly, I hate the fact that this match comes off of an international break. Eh, I like it because I think we have the better coach over at Arsenal. I think I, I would rate Arteta as top three coach in the league with Klopp and Pep. He's clearly number three, but he is in that top three. And I love I love if you've watched uh, the, uh, the behind-the-scenes documentary, All or Nothing thing. I drew a blank on the name for a second there, but you encouraged me. You were like... You gotta watch all or nothing. You gotta watch all or nothing because I hadn't watched it yet, and I got I, I, I binged it. It was absolutely amazing. I'm in love with Arteta, like even yeah. more than I was before. And like I'm an Arsenal fan, you're a Tottenham fan, and there's a lot of people in the Charlotte FC fan base that fall into those two camps. Probably those two and Chelsea are like the three biggest uh, EPL clubs that are supported by Charlotte FC supporters. I, I don't think there's a lot of Man City fans or Man U fans at all, and that's good. But, yeah, there's tons of Arsenal love coming from me. There's tons of Tottenham love coming from you. And this is a this is a pretty bitter rivalry. Like, the fact that you and I are able to be friends in the face of this rivalry is actually kind of a testament to the enduring power of friendship. I was listening on the way over here tonight to the Athletics Tottenham podcast, The View from the Lane, fantastic Spurs podcast. And they were talking about what the atmosphere would be like on Saturday at 1230 local time. 
local time at 12.30 on Saturday. And the words that they were using to describe this match was tense, was awkward. And the reason why is because this Derby is what the Charlotte FC, Charlotte Independence Derby would be. <laughs> you think if, so? if Charlotte was a massive city and these two squads are right next to right, each other right. and I was an Independence fan and my brother who lived three blocks away was an Arsenal supporter. Right. The reason why I bring up Independence and FC is I'm just talking it's about... that same city, that proximity. The, exactly. Yeah. It's north. Right. It's not just the London Derby. It's the North, north. London Derby. It's like goes down to neighborhoods is what you're talking about. Correct. Exactly. So hearing them talk about the match, knowing that Tottenham hasn't had a lot of success at Arsenal, my expectations are very low. But Antonio Conte will set his squad up. He'll play defensive football. And he'll try to get Arsenal on the counter. I agree. So Arsenal's going to try to dominate possession. They're going to use Saka, who's been playing for England in this international break. Right. Playing great. He's on fine form. Martinelli is just an absolute revelation for Arsenal on the wing as well. Gabriel Jesus and uh, Alexander Zinchenko have been great signings that Arteta brought in from the Man City project. So... Things are going good. At home, you have to figure Arsenal's a favorite, obviously. They're on they're on front foot. Right. They're on front foot. They need to go out and get goals. I I know what Antonio Conte is capable of in terms of killing off a match and like making unattractive football somehow seem palatable to his fan base. So I get it. Like people that love Conte love Conte and all you spudheads, like, go for it. You're you're welcome to him as far as I'm concerned. I'm gonna take Arteta and his crazy weird ass motivational speeches in the locker room <laughs> and his his, his whiteboard? <laughs> yeah, his whiteboard is absolutely amazing. His whiteboard amazing. skills are great. Yeah, yeah. Guys, come on, guys. <laughs> guys. Guys. I mean, I love him. I love the guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever the North London Derby brings, I'll be there. And I'll be cheering for Arsenal. And life will be good. And I think we're going to come away with the win. The question is, for me anyway, I- I'm going to be in New Mexico during the North right, London Derby. to your sister. Yes, my sister's getting married this weekend, and I will be in New Mexico, in Taos, New Mexico, and the match kicks off. I just got a brilliant idea. At 5.30 in the morning. What's the idea? Brilliant idea. Twitter poll. Should John <laughs> get up at 5.30 a.m. in New Mexico to watch the North London Derby? That We'll bring it full circle with a Twitter poll, and if you want to buy votes, feel free to go for it. Yeah, and, and, and please vote yes. <laughs> Because when my wife asked me, what the fuck are you doing at 5.30 in the morning on Saturday, yeah, yeah. at least I'll have a, an answer. I can imagine that. Yeah, exactly. The, the social media team put me up to it. Now, I can imagine that, that conversation that you have when it's like 5.15 in the morning and you guys have just come back from your sister's rehearsal dinner and you're sleeping in your hotel room and a loud-ass alarm goes off and Rachel turns over and is like, John, what the fuck is going on? And you're like... Hey, it's the North London Derby. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I need to find a Guinness yeah. as fast as you. Uh, is the bar still open? Yeah, exactly. Like, is the breakfast bar open? Amazing. What What is open right now? What a scene! Uh, can that be on the YouTube channel? <laughs> it's gonna, It's gonna be a funny scene on Saturday morning. But um, you talked about the odds, right? And I wanted to know what the the odds would be on this match. And I, I. On SofaScore, I don't I don't have updated odds on this weekend in the Premier League yet. 
I don't. Arsenal's got to be favorites at home, for sure. And being first in the league, trying to keep it. But, I mean, this is the first time that I can ever remember Arsenal taught him playing as a top three matchup. That's insane. It's both amazing. Of, yeah. It's amazing. It's October 1st, too. Right. It's a, it's a brand new start of a new month, and both these squads are going to have huge, huge matches. Um, I'm seeing Arsenal as an even money plus 100 favorite, and Tottenham as a two and a half to one underdog. You know where the smart money's at. Likely on Arsenal, although Spurs could could nick out a a two one or a one one or a one nil. Like it's not like Spurs won't won't Conte won't set them up to have a go at a four three thriller. Like Conte will set them up. We need to do exactly what we did at Liverpool last year and ruin their fucking season. We need an early goal. We need an early goal to shake off because you're right. The pregame game plan is to be kill the match. So an early goal can shake that up yes. and give yeah. us a real exciting thing yeah. worth waking up yeah. early for. Yeah. Exactly. But when you're playing for the results and you're supporting a club, right. I don't care if my manager right. kills you won't, the match. You, a nil-nil draw, you, you'd be celebrating. I go, hey, yeah, you'd be up. jumping on the bed at 7.30. No, I'm not, I'm not yeah, so, yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm not going that far. I'm just saying, and now we move on. Like, now we go. And, like, and that's the great thing about soccer is that you have your opportunities to on the road and at home to get a result that works for you for your entire campaign. Right. And these managers are thinking about the campaign. They're right. not thinking of week-to-week, 90-minute results. And that's what makes it so different than the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, the campaign is just getting started for Arsenal and Tottenham. It's wrapping up for Charlotte FC. Soccer is a beautiful thing. Charlotte is a soccer city, as we proved talking about yes, the independence. And, and, and people love that. We, we, need, right. we need to make shirts. Yeah. yeah oh, Charlotte yeah, is yeah. a soccer city. That's our first merch for sure. When it comes time to sell CSS merch, that's it. Charlotte is a soccer city easily. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. What's your final prediction for the match on Saturday night here in the Queen City and for the match on Saturday morning here? The North London Dark. Charlotte and Philly draw 1-1. The playoff dream on life support but stays alive. Arsenal wins 5-0. <laughs> I can promise you one thing. Arsenal will not win 5-0. I will bet a lot of money on that. And secondly, I think it's a 2-2 draw in the North London Derby. And I think that it's a 2-2 draw. I think we're deuces up all weekend, baby. I think we're deuces up. I think it's deuces everywhere. I think it's 2-2-2-2 everywhere this weekend. That, that, that fits the vibe. I think that's right. And if, Charlotte, if, if I want the results, if I, if I were to tell you, like, that's what I think would be about right. By the way, I was really close to being right on that Chicago Charlotte game. I, I predicted that 2-2 and Swiderski got that game winner, which I was really thrilled about. I think that what I would prefer to happen is a 3-2 Charlotte win at home. Like I think that Charlotte at home has the firepower in the rain to be like hit in the box, see if Swiderski can get you a hat trick. Keep him hot. It. And then Shinya can come in if and 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 even Trounce Swiderski gets you one, Shinya gets you two. I think that's possible to score three goals against Philadelphia at home, and I know people would be like, well, that's crazy, but if you take into the, the conditions, and Jonathan Potter, by the way, I was just screwing around. Like, the hurricane conditions are going to come into play for sure. Um, in, in the North London Derby, I think, like, 
every time Tottenham plays a big match like this, like Harry Kane does something in the last 10 minutes. And it's either for the win or the draw. So I think Arsenal being up 2-1 in the 80th minute is a high probability. And Kane, it just comes down to whether he wants to equalize or not. You are like a Harry Kane. There's calm in your eyes. We'll be watching Harry Kane and Hurricanes this weekend, easily. We did a long episode today because we're not coming back until after the match. Going out of town, I told you where I'd be, Danny Rams. I know where he'll be. He'll be in the supporter section on Saturday. Thanks for uh, carrying the flag, both literally and figuratively, this weekend at the Keep, Danny Rams. It's been a pleasure doing the show today. Any final thoughts? For the crown, baby. <laughs>